Just what is authenticity? How do we know we're experiencing it in our daily lives? What are the moments in our life that have led us to a better understanding of who we are as people? These conversations and more happen right here on The Authenticity Experiment. I'm your hostess. My name is Megan Williams. I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Arizona, and I have spent my career helping people find their most authentic versions of themselves and live and grow inside of that authenticity. And now I get to share the stories of people who have taken their own pathway to authenticity. Just a general content warning, most episodes of the Authenticity Experiment have themes that can be considered triggering for some. Please listen at your own pace and understand that when people tell their stories, it's part of their healing journey. And by listening to the stories of others, we can feel less alone. However, if there is content in this episode that you find triggering, please consult with your mental health professional or reach out to me and I can provide you with resources in order for you to start coping with the stress that you may be experiencing in your own life. Hey everybody, welcome back to another conversation being held inside the Authenticity Experiment. I am Megan, your hostess. If this is the first time you are joining us, welcome. Um, Today I have a guest who was one of the first people that I connected with um, long term since I moved to Arizona and um, we met through like the weird randomness of life by working in a haunted house together and um some of the people that I worked with there, I've been able to maintain in, in some kind of level of relationship, and, and she's one of them, and I'm super excited to get to introduce to you today my friend Candice, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about who she is and what she does. Hi, I am Candice, and I'm a realtor in the Phoenix area, and I have two girls, and um, I'm really excited to uh, be on here and chat, and uh, hopefully someone can take something out of this. One of the things that I love about what I'm doing with this is that it's that idea that all stories have value, all perspectives have value. Um, And like, we don't necessarily sit and talk to the people that live next door to us or that are, you know, our realtors or our bank tellers or people like that. Like we tend to start consuming all the perspective from people with these pseudo celebrity on the internet right? Like that's the perspective that matters now. So this is kind of why I'm doing this is to have conversations with people that are anybody that they could run into in life and just understand that like, we all have these really cool stories that are worth telling. Um, so tell me a little bit about what, when you think of the word authenticity, what comes to your head? What does that kind of mean to you? How do you define it? Um, so for me, I really just think it's being myself, like my true self to not the fake persona that I feel like sometimes people need to put on, whether it's at work or, you know, when you're with a play date with moms or just the kind of, I feel like different hats we put on throughout the day. I think it's your true self, the person that you feel the most comfortable being yourself, if that makes sense. Um, And so for me, it's, usually being just me because I'm pretty good at, um, 
being that person, I've found that when I start putting on the different hats and roles that I don't care for, it makes me unhappy. So, um, you know, obviously people need to be polite and professional, but um, I think for me, it's just being my true self that makes me happy. And I feel like when I'm happy, the people that I'm closest with are also happy because, you know, I think a smile is contagious. So. Absolutely is. Um, polite and professional does not always necessarily mean I'm going to be a doormat and allow you to mistreat me just because you're a customer, right? Correct. That is very correct. Oh my gosh. Um, I deal with that not too often. I've been honestly super blessed to, um, in my most recent careers in the last four years to deal with people that have been pretty cool and pretty awesome, you know, humans, um, I've had a few that have not been, and I definitely think that's part of being a genuine person is knowing when you need to stand up for yourself. Um, I don't think that means, you know, even if it comes off harsh, I don't think that means that you're incorrect for being that way. Um, So yeah, I definitely don't think being a doormat, anyone should ever be a doormat. I mean, at all, if you're feeling like you're being a doormat, then I think looking to something new would probably be a good life choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we run into this place where, um, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but like a lot of people that I know that work in any kind of customer facing world, it's that fear of this person's going to then go trash me on the internet or, you know, Yelp or do all of these things. If I don't make them happy, um, And I think it's really interesting because like working in mental health, most people don't review mental health services because then they have to identify themselves as a client. But the people that do, I always think it's really interesting. The ones that are, you know, putting out these negative reviews and not that their experience isn't valid, but I also am like, how much of that was your therapist setting boundaries with you to say no, right? Um, and, and I'm sure there are people like, especially being a realtor and having to work with other people's schedules and, you know, when they're available to go look at houses, plus the owner of the house, when they're available for it to be shown and, and, and people that just want to make demands of like, well, I want to do it right now. And when you have to say, well, no, we have to wait. And that pushback that people want to give you because, you know, in, in their world, their problem or their need is the most important thing. and Sometimes people get pushy with that. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I have. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's when, um, especially now where I'm at, um, it's important to, I think, always give people options, right? They always want options. I mean, even little kids want options. I mean, I think it kind of is just a baseline for anybody. They like feeling like they're in control of things. Um, so I think to keep control in your own schedule, um, with anything, you know, you give someone a couple of timeframes that work for you and then they'll give you the best option that works for them is usually what I try to do. Um, I'll even do that with my four-year-old. I'm like, here's three, you know, clothing options for picture day, pick one. And then she's never upset about that because she's still getting to choose and feel like she's in control of things, even though either way, I kind of got what I needed too. So I think when it comes down to stuff like that, um, I've found that to be beneficial. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard sometimes because I mean, yeah, you know, the customer in my brain is always right. Kind of thing is valid sometimes. Um, but what I tell people too, is like, this is a two-way relationship. 
I'm working for you, but you also need to work for me at the same time. And just as easily as you can fire me, I can fire you. And I tell people that because I'm far too seasoned to be dealing with a stress of somebody that is making my life miserable. And that's a boundary I've personally set up with my clients. You know, if you start, if we start not working together well, I have no problem referring somebody to somebody else because I just, life's too short. I just don't, you know, want to deal with it. (laughs) We call that concept forced choice. Right? Yeah. that it has to be this, this, or this, or just this or that, like you get to pick one. And when they give you a different option that's not on the menu, be like, our options are this, this, and this. Yeah. <laughs> what and are I mean, you going to pick? <laughs> yeah. And of course I'm flexible. If someone's in from out of town, I make it work. Yeah. Um, like, you know, it, it, obviously there's situations that I take differently than others, but if it's somebody that I know they're free the entire weekend and they're coming on a day where, you know, I have church or the kids have sports, you know, mm-hmm it's my priorities, you know, and yes, work is a priority, but my family is always going to be, you know, number one on that list. So, right. So, okay. So I have to ask, what is your like authentic gut reaction to all of the reality shows that are now like pervasive in our culture, like (laughs) the, the house hunters and all that, like heavily produced stuff that we all, that most people understand is not a hundred percent real, but a lot of people think that that's how it works. What do you think about that stuff? I don't even watch any of those because they're just <laughs> such ridiculousness. Um, I know they like they had the lottery winner show where they uh-huh. like, and then these people can't even afford the taxes on their house, and then they end up like going into foreclosure. And to me, I'm like, how do these people have their license? Like my job is to look out for my client. Like I sign an oath kind of thing. And like, I feel like not going over that kind of stuff would be negligence in my brain. But, um, and even just the flipper shows and the stuff, like I remember, um, I'm not going to use names. Um, so I don't get in trouble, but, um, I remember they had something where like, um, Habitat for Humanity or something along those lines, one of those companies was doing, you know, where you help, you donate your time and you help to, you know, and um, they had a star that came in. And I remember from hearing from a person that was also doing it, like comes by, paints the wall for two seconds or bashes down a wall for five minutes and then they leave. Like people need to understand that superstars and even non-superstars that are just on these TV shows, it's just, it's kind of smoke and mirrors you know, to be able, be able to redo an entire house on a budget that these people are giving these people is illogical. Um, I mean, they're getting free materials from people to do a lot of this stuff. And it's just, it's TV. If it wasn't entertaining, no one would watch it. I mean, if people watched me sell houses all day long, they'd be sleeping. You know what I mean? Like it's generally not the most exciting thing in the world where someone would want to like actually watch me for 12 hours a day. Um, And they'd probably be exhausted just seeing all the million things that I do. But like, yeah, I just, I don't even entertain any reality shows actually. I just think they're kind of a false. Reality in air quotes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, so I will say that uh, my husband and I, at one point in time, were watching the lottery realty show at one point. And, and just because it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like the, the host is absolutely hilarious. Um, but I kept watching for a period of time because he just kept getting this series of really terrible tattoos. 
like horrific tattooing like why would you get that put on your body and why would you get that put on your body in a place where the whole world will see it like on your neck so it was like every season um you just watch the progression of these really terrible tattoos that this guy got <laughs> and that was my entertainment I didn't care about the houses or the people at that point I just wanted to see what his tattooing looked like oh my gosh maybe he'll be on that tattoo show where they redo people's tattoos that are terrible I think he needs to go to rethink your ink the place that just removes that stuff so you can yeah start over but ah anyway I always have to ask stuff like that because like I know how I feel about the portrayal of therapy in television because obviously you can't show real therapy in television the closest you could get is like intervention or hoarders and that's not real either yeah um but like I I know how I feel watching the way that people want to talk about what I do for a living and now you have people that say that they're legit and that that's what they do like it's funny how when you see the when you see the way that people want to think that reality is and you have to like sit them down and be like no sweetheart that's not how this works right like the house shows that you can build a house in like a year well I know people that they're like two and a half years into building their house and it's still not done yeah (laughs) I mean people forget that stuff and money walks right and 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 so I think that especially on those shows they have people hired at a probably obnoxious amount of money to get this stuff done on a time frame we don't have you know I don't have a carpenter that I can just be like hey come over right now and they're like presto and they're in front of my house fixing things and rebuilding stuff or the timeline is actually longer than they're telling you because why would they have to tell you the truth yeah, they don't. I mean, it's even the case with new builds. And I mean, even I see apartment complexes going up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been building this thing for three and a half years. What is happening? Right. Like, hurry up. Like, how many breaks are you going to take? <laughs> like, it's good. Get it done, man. There's a hundred of you on there. Oh, <laughs> we have a housing crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Get to move like, Legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> I want my store open. Um, but yeah, so I just think reality tv i have a hard time sometimes watching normal shows too um i think when i what class was it when i was at nau and i was doing one of my um law class like my um i don't want to call it law um legal classes mm-hmm. um i think they the the percentage i can't i don't want to even quote it because i'm probably gonna be way wrong but it was like a re- it was over 50 percent of people thought that like stuff that happened on police shows and like law shows was real Mm-hmm. and I'm like and that's not even reality tv let alone now you have reality tv that's actually not reality mm-hmm. and I really think it just distorts people's views of how life is supposed to run absolutely I mean and, and that idea that like if you don't know how to engage your critical thinking like this is fiction it's just like reading a fiction novel it's not real yeah. <laughs> it's story time like I had to have the conversation with my daughter right like it's not real <laughs> it's not a thing that actually happened it's no real (laughs) just because it's live actors doesn't mean that those people like they're real people playing a part yeah um not like a cartoon right because before she just thought that if it was a live person that meant that it was real or or non-fiction it's like no no it's a little more nuanced than that kid um so I took her to her first live action play to kind of show her like that's a real person you could touch them but they're playing a part that is not actually Junie B. Jones on stage yeah they're playing pretend right yeah. right it's an advanced version of playing pretend that if you do it professionally you get paid a, a ridiculous amount of money for um <laughs> like I want to play pretend and make that kind of money what 
right um we got minimum wage <laughs> playing creepy people right yeah that was fun though it was, that was that fun. Was- and most haunted houses don't pay so like we were already ahead of the game oh well I didn't know that um yeah. that was probably my favorite job I've ever had in my entire life it was so much fun it was and I had a real job at the time like making real money you know like as an adult (laughs) so it was like really exciting to go and just scream at people for hours right all that aggression like pent up and 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 I was working a full-time job too and like it's like yeah man let's let's go ahead let's just do this why not (laughs) like I don't get to be mean to people at work let's get mean to people at work right I spend time treating PTSD at night. I create it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I call that job security. Right? <laughs> like, here's my card if you have problems afterwards. <laughs> Open in their back pocket. <laughs> um, so what are, what are some of the, the moments in your life that have helped you kind of discover who you are and um, the type of person that you want to be in the world? Um. So I think for myself, um, I think for years and years of my life, I kind of struggled with just not dealing with my problems, um, and, and kind of dating people that did the same thing. Um, and I think honestly, my current husband, um, I, it's been such a transformation, um, within that. I mean, I've always been pretty true to myself as far as how I act and talk and whatever. And I'm kind of an acquired taste and I'm very well aware of that. Um, but, um, I think that just finally seeing that, you know, Hey, you need to communicate and you need to work through things to be a good and functional person in the world. Um, has probably been one of the biggest things that I've started working on. You know, when I say recently, I mean, probably the last like five, six years. Um, and I think the biggest thing that kind of made me transition to really want to start doing that was realizing I'm going to teach my children to stuff things down and to not appropriately deal with problems. And, you know, that's the last thing I want. I mean, I don't think I turned out terrible, but I also want my kids to be better than I am. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's all of our goals. Well, most of parenting anyways. So I think, I think that has been a big help in making me want to be a better me. When you think about like the biggest lessons that you want to pass down to, to your daughters, what are they? Um, really just having the perfect amount of self-confidence. And I know that there's a fine line with that. And that's really hard to teach kids because when you really start trying to go, okay, Hey, be self-confident. Don't worry about what other people say, but also, you know, don't turn everything off. And so it's trying to teach that like happy medium. It's really hard. Um, you know, I'm, I have a 12 year old and it's really hard because mm-hmm. she probably doesn't listen to me half the time I'm talking. Cause what do I know? Um, but she's amazing and, and she does. And I think she's noticed that there is that happy medium too. Like she doesn't need to be her mom where I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't care about whatever, you know, she can be herself and she's more emotional than I am. And she needs to embrace that and, and register that. And I think teaching them to have that self-confidence is going to get 
them so much further in life because when you're confident, people feel it. Like I genuinely feel like confidence is a feeling and it spreads with work, with your relationships, with all of that. So if you can have that right level of self-confidence, because you obviously don't want too much because then you're, nobody wants to deal with you. <laughs> I wish y'all could have seen the, the look that she just gave because it was perfect. <laughs> um, you can just make a little like meme out of that look. <laughs> like that little lip snarl. Perfect. But I think everyone knows what I, I hope everyone knows what I'm talking about when you're overconfident and you shouldn't be. Um, so I think having just that perfect amount of self-confidence and, and working for things to make you feel that way, you know, being successful in the things you do and working hard to feel confident because you succeeded. Um, and I think that kind of wraps into a bunch of other things too, is teaching your kids to work hard and to, and I'm sure there's going to be 50% of the people listening to this to don't agree with me, but not everyone's a winner. And I fully am a huge believer of that because when you do win, it feels great, you know? And I think that teaching your kid to work hard, to feel good, to gain that confidence is a whole one thing, one ball of stuff that you teach them, you know, through their life. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that um, will help them succeed. Hopefully. I mean, I could be completely wrong and I'm going to have crazy kids. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the, the <laughs> secret that, that I've learned is that no matter what we do, no matter how amazing of parents we are, we're going to screw up our kids at some point. Oh, hundred like, percent. You know, I have moments when I'm like, yeah, she can be talking about that to a therapist someday. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, what was the book I was reading? I was reading this book about basically that, you know, how the um, emotional damage on your children and the different ways that you can do that. And I finished reading the book and it was a great book. Um, I'll look it up and I'll tell you what it is because um, it was a really good book, but I'm like, there's no way not to some way do something wrong. Like you can't be a perfect parent. There's literally, you just do your best, just do your best. <laughs> well, because, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, I have to work with, with adults on is this idea that we always put our parents on this pedestal. Well, most people put their parents on a pedestal and this idea that you're not allowed to be human as a parent. And a lot of the things that we do and the things that do create that sometimes those emotional damage points for our kids are us having our human moments. Okay. Yeah. Running on empty is the book. It was really good. Um, I think, um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it was a really good, um, I guess it's a self-help book. I don't know. Um, I drive a lot. So I try to not just listen to music all the time and yeah. do something a little uh I try to balance um work mm -hmm. music and uh like learning about work stuff and then that kind of stuff but yeah um it's rough sometimes for sure well and I you know one of the things that that I've talked about in some other circles is this idea that like when our emotional bandwidth is used up and we've had a stressful day of dealing with people and life and making way too many decisions and just all the things you know, and, and we go and, and our day isn't over because now we have to shift gears into parent mode. Our kids don't know what our day has looked like before we've interacted with them, right? And they've also spent a day trying to keep it together and meet expectations and do all the things with all the things and having all their feelings and sometimes not being able to have their feelings all the way right out loud. And those two moments can sometimes be a recipe for disaster Totally. Because everybody's patience is shot. 
And like, I don't want to have to repeat myself for the fifth time. <laughs> like, yes. I don't want to have to say the exact same thing. Seven time two. number five. <laughs> so now we get the loud voice. <laughs> yeah. And I think to like, kind of touch back on what you were just saying too, about, you know, how we're, we're human. And I think that's another important thing to show everybody. I mean, life happens and sometimes mom freaks out, like, and she shouldn't. And I think apologizing to them and saying, Hey, mommy did this wrong and I should have done this better. And this is how I should have reacted. And I'm sorry. And showing them you're human, I think really goes a long way because if you're just that parent that yells and then you're like, crap, I shouldn't have done that, but you never say anything about it. You're not teaching them anything. There's a teaching moment. I feel in everything we do as humans, even with regular people, like I say regular people, like our children aren't regular people, but uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like even with, you know, there's been times where I've gone off on people and I'm like, oh man, that was not the right way to do that. And I'll call them and I'll admit it. But that's part of me being, going back to what we started talking about, authentic, I can't even talk. Um, It's hard, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They really, really are, especially spelling them. Um, But, uh, you know, being me, because I'm okay calling myself out and I'm okay getting constructive criticism. Like, I think that people need to get better at that um, overall, because I think if people could take things a little better, it would help them improve in their lives. Well, and even just taking that moment to be able to say, oh gosh, you know, I said something that wasn't intended to harm, but did harm. And listening when other people tell us their experiencing of us and, and how what we say and what we do impacts them. It does. Um, I, I think that that's even just having that time to t- step back and go, oh, you know what? I probably did have a tone there. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that that word was, you know, triggering or offensive or what have you. I'm, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that I don't necessarily have to stop using that tone or using those words, but potentially with that individual, I'm more mindful of the things that I choose in the future. Right. I I definitely think that, um, I, I think that's where I feel like our newer generation is kind of having a hard time because it's text message. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I read text message, like someone's being a total jerk and that literally like even earlier when I text messaged you, I reread it and I was like, that came out kind of rude, but, and then I was like, oh, she knows me like, but <laughs> because I'll reread some of my messages and I'm like, oh, that was not, if they read that wrong, that wasn't right. And that's why I think, uh, you know, be valid in a picking up the phone is a good thing in people's lives sometimes. <laughs> no, and a different conversation for another day, <laughs> but I, but I agree. Right. And like having the dialogue and the ability to have the dialogue and understanding inflection and yeah, reading stuff, unless you really know the person and can hear their voice when they're, when you're reading something or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it becomes that thing that we don't know. There's so much nuance. Yeah. Um, and, and for me being, and I, I talk about this on, a, on another episode, like I struggle with fluffy small talk, especially in emails and text messages. Um, I'm not really good at the, Hey, I'm just checking in on you text messages. Like, I just don't, I don't do that stuff. I just, I just don't. And, and 
I have to remind myself, like when I'm typing something out, I'll do the the bulk of what it is I'm trying to communicate. And then I have to go in and add the greetings and the endings and all those things, because like, it just doesn't come natural to me. I'm a point A to point B communicator. I communicate to get stuff done. <laughs> like, let's just get stuff done. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I have to be like, okay, this is what some people need. So this is what I need to do in order to like accommodate for other individuals and not come off as like this person that's constantly barking orders or what have yeah. you. Um, and I'm one of those people that like, I also have to respect the fact that I can be very flaky because my brain goes 900 miles a minute and my mouth goes faster. So sometimes yeah. when my mouth is going and my brain hasn't caught up yet and I'm like, oh yeah, probably shouldn't have said that. Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and then I have to go back and clean it yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do that often. Um, but a lot of times I'll look at the people I'm with and I'm like, yeah, so, and I like, I'm, I'm like, probably shouldn't have said that. And then they'll be like, well, everyone was thinking it. So, you know, I think that's part of that whole scenario too. Um, but yeah, I definitely have the same problem as you do with that. Um, and I very often will send a whole text message to somebody and then afterwards go, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, also, <laughs> good morning. Hope you slept well. <laughs> I'm like, can we just auto know that if Candace is messaging you and doesn't say good morning or good afternoon, I meant it. I really did. <laughs> well, and then I struggle with those, those types of greetings. Like, because what if when they get it, it's not the morning time anymore or it's time zone math. Like, a you good know, hello. maybe just say hello. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I do a lot of, Hey y'all. <laughs> like I don't I don't even know right and then I'll be typing so like I'll do some of my emailing like super late at night with people that I know won't get it till the morning so I'll put in good morning and it's like yeah. 11 o'clock at night and all of a sudden I get a response back and I'm like you weren't supposed to get that like tomorrow I do <laughs> the same thing I think it's just proper it. etiquette for an email um but yeah because I'm not what am I supposed to do be like hello everyone you know like and just not say and time of day I do the same thing because otherwise it seems a little unprofessional in like work stuff right if you're not if you're just like hey hey guys like I yeah. can't do that when messaging title companies and stuff like that it's kind of weird like, what's up <laughs> what are you doing humans but welcome to you know the, the circus I will yeah. be your ringmaster for today <laughs> enjoy the carny show um so one of the things that, that you were talking about is finding that balance of finding that balance of confidence. And I think one of the places that we do a disservice in society is general in general is by mislabeling confidence as that conceitedness, that overinflated ego. And we get to that place where we don't even feel like we can talk about ourselves in a positive way without somebody looking at you sideways. And, um, but also understanding that even though I might be good at X, Y, and Z, there's probably somebody out there who's better. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people struggle. I mean, I struggle with that when I have to write up like my biography for, you know, my webpage and I'm supposed to say all these awesome things about myself. I'm like, this is weird. Like, 
it, it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, even for me to, you know, I mean, even for me, like I'm someone special, but like, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's uncomfortable. Um, but I do know there are things that I do excel at in my career where I do tell people that because that's what they're hiring me for. So I think, it's the way people say it too. You know, it's one thing to say, Ooh, my hair came out really good today or saying my hair is just so beautiful all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a different way of toning things. Um, and I do think we don't talk ourselves up. We're so easy to say such negative things and that's the norm. You know, people are like, Oh, you know, this makes me look ugly or I'm, you know, you do something wrong and you're, I'm so stupid. And we never go, Oh, wow. I did good on this test. I'm smart. Like there's never that it's, why is it so much better to, why is it normal to tell yourself that you suck at something, but it's not normal to tell yourself you're good at something. And I obviously don't know how to fix that. Cause I still struggle with that, but I definitely think that's something incorrect in our norms as in America. I don't know where, how it is everywhere else, but, um, and I don't know how to fix that obviously. Um, but I do think that people should be uplifting more just to everyone. You know, I, like you brought up Yelp earlier, why aren't people going on there and saying good things? It's always, it's massively negative. You know, I make a point of it to when I get good service, I always go on there and I'm like, this was great. And this is why to let people know, because why are we not also praising people when they do something good? I think as a society, we've gotten so negative with things that it's just made it normal to be negative and not be positive. And then now when you are positive, you're looked at as, you know, conceding. So mm-hmm. where's that happy medium? <laughs> Well, and even like what I notice is there's, it's always polarized, right? It's either terrible or amazing. And there's never that in between. And like for certain things in my life, like people service oriented stuff that I want, I don't mind if it's a consistent three stars, because that means that they are consistent with their service or whatever it is that they're providing. Like, is it maybe in the middle of the road? Okay. But like, is it always in the middle of the road versus one day it's going to be great. And the next day it's going to be complete crap. Yeah. Like I'd rather have that consistency. I'm weird like that. I'd rather have that consistent, somewhat mediocrity. <laughs> if you would like a mediocre hamburger all of the time, come here. <laughs> right? Like, like, come on now. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, you know, we need to be okay with also we need to be okay with just being sometimes we just need to be okay with being in the middle of the pack like you were saying you know we're not going to win all the time Mm -hmm. but just knowing like that I'm good enough and that I enjoy what I'm I'm doing whether it's playing a tennis game or you know a video game or um going out and and talking to people whatever if as long as I'm good enough that it should be enough for us. We don't always have to be the the top dog at everything um, yeah. because that's, that's unrealistic and it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I think that's hard for type D personalities as myself. Um, I, you know, overstrive. Um, I think though, you know, even taking your negatives as a positive, like I know I don't sugarcoat things. I'm very East coast. I'm from New York. I don't put butterflies in rainbows on all of my stuff. And I tell my clients that 
in the beginning. If you're wanting somebody that's going to put, you know, glitter on everything and make rainbows, you're with the wrong person because mm-hmm. I am going to get stuff done. And I, you know, when butterflies are due, I'll pop them out for you. But, um, other than that, like I'm going to get stuff done. This is a business transaction and you shouldn't want me sugarcoating stuff to anybody because this is a lot of money you're dealing with and I'm not going to do it. And at the end of the day, if something's wrong, putting a rainbow on it, isn't going to change anything. So I think I embrace that with my clients and I go, Hey, I don't do this. And some people don't like it. And if that's not your cup of tea, then, you know, and because I tell people upfront about a personal defect of my, my own, I feel like they are like, Oh, I love it. That's great. Where if I would just start doing it, it comes up as rash and rude. And like, why aren't you saying, you know, nice words in your sentence when you type it up? Well, that's just not me. Why am I going to add five extra words? It's kind of like your good morning. It's like, why am I going to be like, Oh, well, I'm so sorry about this, but blah, 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 blah. No, it just happened. Like, and I think, just embracing that kind of stuff would probably be helpful and a good start for some people out there that don't want to necessarily shine on themselves about other things. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how I present myself with my clients initially. I'm like, look, I will be your biggest cheerleader, but I'm also going to be the first one to call you out. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mince my words and I'm very direct. And some people confuse that for me being rude um, so if you need a, a therapist who's going to be fluffy and nurturing and co-signing your crap, that's not going to be me. Yeah, that's your friend zone, people. You can get that for free from your friends. <laughs> but, there, but there are also people that that's exactly what they need because they've had such harsh critics in their life. Yeah. That they um, they don't respond well to to that, like in through the front door, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, or, oh, hey, have you ever thought that maybe that's your problem and not other people's problems? They don't like that because it's so much reminding them of past things. So they need somebody that's a little more nurturing or in line with, um, not that I'm an invalidating therapist, but somebody that's like super overly validating all the time. Yeah. Like to prop up that. I, I just, that's not who I am as a person. That's not how I do what I do. Um, I found that when I've done that stuff, my clients haven't made it because of working in the addiction field. Like you can't, you kind of can't be fluffy with that population at times. Yeah, no, um, I think that's uh, valid. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I've been, you know, through therapy a lot of times myself and um, I would work best with your type personality. Like if someone's fluffing it, I don't need fluff. If I want to fluff, like, I feel like sometimes when people want to hear what they want to hear and not fix the problem, they'll call the person that's going to give them the right answer to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the way you do it for me personally is, is helpful, but I definitely get what you're saying where some people need that extra fluff. And Mm -hmm. I also blame that on my East coast situation because I don't need fluff. (laughs) But it's also like, if you're, if you're paying money on any level, a copay, a private, whatever, if you're paying any kind of money for a service, like, shouldn't we make the best use of our time? That's what I feel like. Like, let's make the best use of our time. And me doing all of that stuff doesn't work for me. I'm sure it's the same for you. Like, you're investing this much money. Don't you want me to get this done correctly? And um, so that you're walking into it, you know 100% what this looks like. So that after everything is signed and you're now on the hook for all of this money, 
Yeah. But you're not later on going, man, I wish I would have known about that. Or, oh man, I wish, you know, we could have gotten them to fix that before we close, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I do say that to people because I'm like, do you want me to be a pushover? And then when you want to get things done, nothing gets done. And now you're stuck with a house that you have to do all this stuff to, or you got it at a price that was uncomfortable for you. And I'm, I'm big at reminding people about the negative situations they can possibly be getting themselves into, you know, um, I just think it's so important, um, to kind of predict when people get emotional, they don't think straight. Um, and I think when I, I would assume even, you know, with a lot of people in therapy, you know, they kind of aren't thinking straight a lot of the times that's why they're there, um, as such life. So when you get emotional about things, having someone to kind of recenter and re-get you where you need to be, it's really important to have. <laughs> well, I can imagine that you've had to do a lot of that in the last year and a half with the market being so much like a house is on the market for five hours and then it's already sold. Yeah. Um, people are totally in their feels and in their emotions and their stress response about all the houses are gone. Yeah. They're all gone. <laughs> we're having a lot of buyer's remorse and they were buying houses they really didn't like. And, um, I will tell you right now, none of my clients don't like their house and none of them, you know, that I'm aware of anyways, I should say. Um, but that's why I think you, you know, I mean, I personally do a buy like a sell your house for free guarantee, um, mm -hmm. to my clients to know, so they know I'm never going to let them get themselves, you know, as far as I'm aware into a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Um, because what good am I to them if I'm just pushing them into something that's going to kind of screw them up later. Right. I don't want to cause more problems. <laughs> I did that enough in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> um, so the way that I always end these things is I ask people to give me two things that they love about who they are today. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, make it, make me say something nice about myself. Oh, good way to end it. Um, so I am, um, really, really happy with, um, where I'm at, um, emotionally today. Um, I'm obviously still a massive work in progress. Um, but the strides I've made in, I would say even the last six months are huge. And, um, I think it just goes to show that you can teach an old dog new tricks and that there's always, I, that you can always change. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like it doesn't, I'm 38 years old. I'm not ashamed of it. I was for seven years, but I'm not anymore. Um, but I, I just, I'm growing as a person, um, emotionally and it was scary at first, but like, I'm so proud of it now. Like it's changed my life so much. And I think everybody's a lot happier about it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and the second one is I am happy that I am in a career and that I made the jump that was terrifying to be doing a job or career that I actually enjoy every day. I was in corporate America forever, um, comfortable and miserable. And I'm so proud that I took that leap and had the courage to do it. And obviously I had a great support system. Um, but I'm just, just, making everything around you happy and me being able to do that. Like I'm going to give myself some props for that because it's terrifying, but I don't think get it being comfortable ever got you anywhere in life. So I'm really proud of myself for that. I I'm going to 
toot my horn on that because it was, it was a struggle, you know, it's change is terrifying. So yeah, I think I'll go with those two. <laughs> if, uh, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on socials or website or any of that fun stuff? Oh, I am all over the place. You can literally just Google Candace Bowler, uh, B as in boy, O-L-L-E-R, and I will come up with 75 different hair colors. Um, <laughs> but I'm uh, also on Homes with Candace. Um, I have my own app that you can message me in um, that if you go in your app store, it's Homes with Candace, um, Arizona Homes with Candace. And that's probably the easiest thing to remember. You can just download the app. You can look at houses. You can find vendors. Um, and, uh, you know, anything else on there um, that, you, you know, SRP, APS numbers, um, adding those this week. But um, yeah, that's probably the best way. I'm either, you know, Homes with Candace or IR Candace on all social platforms. So I'm pretty easy to find, which is also slightly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with what we do sometimes. Yes, it is. Um, any final thoughts that you have before I, uh, I, I close out? Um. Just to probably tell everybody that um, I know you'd mentioned earlier and it kind of stuck with me. So I'm just going to go back there and say it, that a lot of people don't like going on Yelp because they have to tell people that they've gone to therapy. And I wish that wasn't the norm. I wish that people didn't feel uncomfortable about that because therapy is such an amazing tool that we have out there. And I've been to, you know, different therapists um, and it's just so helpful to have a third party that doesn't know your stuff. And I really wanted to kind of, I'd be that person. I'd go on Yelp now and I'll, I have no problem saying, Hey, I was here because it made my life better. And I want to share that with people. So I know it's scary for people to share that because I don't want people to think there's something wrong with them, but there's something wrong with all of us. You know what I mean? And if you need some help with it, that's okay. So I think I'm just going to end with that because it kind of grabbed me there when you said, you know, people don't like doing that. And just, if you need it, man, go, cause it's important. And being your best self is the best thing you can gift yourself ever. Thank you again for joining us for this edition of the Authenticity Experiment. Everything you need to know will be linked in the show notes, especially how to get in touch with our guests from today if you are interested in finding ways to connect with them more and ways to connect with me if you are interested in having this conversation yourself. I appreciate all of you who have taken the time to support this project and I will see you down the road.